Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast contains disturbing content. Please take care while listening. Cats. Even if you've never been there, you've probably still heard of Daytona Beach, Florida, a popular destination for rowdy spring breakers and diehard NASCAR fans, not to be confused with South Daytona, a much sleepier, lesser-known little beach town just a few miles down the coast. It is just a tucked-away little little town, and it has a lot of retirees there. There's just not a lot of vandalism. There's not a lot of theft. If you're Nicole Luca, a local reporter, you might even say South Daytona is kind of boring, and it's certainly not known for violent crime. But the summer of 2010 was different. Nicole was a beat reporter in Volusia County when she heard about an elderly woman named Goldie Mae Robinson who'd just been reported missing. It was like, well, there's an elderly woman missing. This happens a lot in Florida, to be honest, because of all of the elderly we have in Florida, and especially in that Volusia County area. Goldie was 78 years old at the time. In Florida, when an elderly person goes missing, it's called a silver alert. And silver alerts are not uncommon in South Daytona due to the fact that it's an attractive location for retirees. But it quickly became clear that Goldie Robinson had not accidentally wandered off. She was truly missing. Goldie was in good health. She'd lived in the same mobile home park for 37 years. She owned a single wide trailer with a screened in porch. She kept a pristine flower garden out front and proudly flew an American flag. She was generous with the grapefruits that grew on a tree outside her home. She was always a lot of fun. She was very personable. Um, She was a very hard worker and she was a good role model to look up to. She is the type of a person that would just give you the shirt off her back if you needed it. And then one day in August of 2010, Goldie vanished. And what followed was a police investigation that took so many twists and turns that by the end, the police report was over a thousand pages long. The investigation into Goldie Robinson's disappearance revealed that her life was intricately intertwined with her neighbor, friend, and caretaker, Kimberly Smith, or Kim. Unsurprisingly, Kim was one of the first people approached about Goldie's disappearance. Surely someone as close to Goldie as she was would have some helpful information about where Goldie might have gone. But that wasn't the case. There was so many lies with so many different characters. I mean, it's hard for us to keep up with it all, all the details at times. There's just so, so many. The search for Goldie Robinson would expand into a much darker and more complicated investigation. This was no ordinary silver alert, and Kim Smith was no ordinary neighbor. From Cast Media, this is The Opportunist. 
This is season eight, episode one. Kimberly Smith, Bad Wrong. I'm Hannah Smith. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Goldie Mae Bartram was born on August 23rd, 1932 in Anstead, West Virginia. She married Fred Wesley Roberts in 1951. And just a year later, they had their first son, Freddie Joe Roberts. This is Freddie, except these days he goes by Fred. She's a good old country girl. She knows how to cook. She knows how to make you feel great. She's just a good old country girl. And that's that's the best way I can describe her. Fred grew up in Baltimore. In 1966, Goldie and her husband had another son, Brian. As a child, Brian had severe asthma. My mother and my father took a trip to Florida, and he'd done so well in Florida that uh, that at that point, she decided to move down there for his health. In 1973, Goldie and seven-year-old Brian moved into Daytona Twin Oaks Mobile Home Park in South Daytona, Florida. By this point, Fred was 21 years old. He decided to stay in Baltimore with his father. Goldie settled into her life in Florida. She and Fred's father stayed married at first, but they eventually divorced. Goldie seemed happy. She loved the beach. She loved Daytona. She loved the uh, weather. Uh, More than anything, I guess, the weather is what really kept her there. Goldie got involved in a local church and got to know her neighbors. She worked at Denny's for years and then as a ticket taker at the local movie theater. Her two sisters also moved to South Daytona and into the same mobile home park as Goldie, Twin Oaks. And the years went by. Goldie found love again. In 1983, she married a man named Lester Robinson. This is Stacia, Fred's daughter and Goldie's granddaughter. Stacia grew up in Baltimore, but visited her grandmother Goldie every summer as a kid. The two had a very close relationship. She was a firecracker. She was tons of fun and hilarious. Sometimes I would forget that she was my grandmother almost. Um, because she just it just felt so friendly and so natural to have conversations with her about anything that I needed to have conversations with her about. But she was always tons of fun. She was always up for anything. Let's go to the movies. Let's go shopping. Let's go to the beach. She loved the beach. Um, that was probably one of her favorite places to go. Stacia served in the military, which eventually took her to Alaska. But even then, she and Goldie spoke on the phone multiple times a week. We talk so regular. The joke is, is because she was in Daytona and I was in Alaska, is that she would always call me at 3 a.m. My time. 
that she never could get the times right. I told her to write it in her calendar. When it's this time on your clock, that's when you can call me kind of thing. It was just kind of a joke we had. By 2010, Goldie Robinson was 78 years old. Her son, Brian, had moved out of state, and her husband, Lester, and both of her sisters had passed away years before. For the first time in decades, Goldie found herself with no family close by. Fred sometimes worried about his mother, living on her own so far away, but he said she was bright and strong. He visited Florida a few times a year to see her and to attend Daytona Bike Week, a motorcycle rally. Fred and Goldie had a loving relationship, but she could be hot-headed. They'd fight sometimes, but they'd always make up. She was a strong woman. She she was she had her own opinions of what I should do, what my brother should do. Uh, it wasn't always my point of view, nor my brother's point of view. She just loved us both, and we did have disputes. There's no question about it. But they never got too far. Fred's friend Dave Lawson stayed with Goldie several times during Bike Week, and Dave told me, Goldie was a woman you didn't want to disappoint. When we stayed with her and uh, she says, I don't care what you boys do, but be here at five o'clock for dinner. No matter what we were doing, we would be there at five o'clock. <laughs> I wouldn't give him a butt book for not being there for dinner. This was Goldie, loving and generous, opinionated and stubborn, a good cook and a great conversationalist. She and Fred spoke multiple times a week, Fred in Baltimore and Goldie in South Daytona. That is, until May of 2010, just three months before Goldie was reported missing. Fred and Goldie got into a massive fight. It started with a cell phone. Fred sent his mother a cell phone that she could use to call friends and family out of state. It was so much cheaper to make long-distance calls than using her landline. And Fred managed the account for his mother. But in May of 2010, Goldie lost the cell phone. Then she found it. Then she lost it again. I said, have you looked everywhere in, in your jacket? Oh, she said, I cannot find it. Well, okay. I said, well, just keep looking for it. And that was pretty much the end of the call. And I told my wife, we had a discussion. I said, well, you know, I'm going to turn it off. So I did. I turned it off. And it probably wasn't a week later that I got this horrible phone call from my mother. Goldie had found her cell phone and was upset to find out that the cell service had been turned off on the phone. And uh, I won't uh, repeat some of the language she used. When she got mad, she was... uh, pretty vocal, and she didn't care what she said to who it was. She called me and blessed me out. She was furious. The phone was turned off, and I'd done it. Well, yeah, I'd done it because I didn't know where it was at. And she, hmm, well, lack of a better word, she went through the ceiling. Fred said he turned the cell phone service back on, but it was too late. Goldie was mad. And I called her back a couple times after that, and it rang and rang and rang and rang, and she wouldn't pick up. She knew it was me calling, and I knew she was home. 
and she would never pick up. Fred told me, if you didn't know Goldie, it might not make sense why she was so upset about this. Even to him, it was a little unreasonable, at least blown out of proportion. But whether or not he understood why his mother was mad, he knew from past experiences that it might be a while before she got over it. Goldie could hold a grudge. If you knew mom the way I knew her, you know, okay, this is going to blow over in a couple months. It's going to take a couple months because that's the way she was with her sisters. She would get mad at her sisters and not talk to them for six months, seven months, even a year sometimes. And they live right across the street. So this wasn't, I didn't, it didn't throw no red flags up. Fred buckled up for what he knew would be months of cold shouldering from Goldie. And when he reflects on it now, it looks so different. He wishes he would have just driven down to South Daytona and made things right with her. But at the time, there was so much he didn't know. He knew Goldie was mad at him, but he felt confident that she just needed a little time and space and that eventually it would blow over. May of 2010 turned into June. Goldie still wasn't taking his calls. Then one day, Fred tried his mother's cell phone one more time, and this time, his call was answered, but oddly, not by Goldie. Instead, by a woman who identified herself as Yaya. She said, your mom's still mad at you. She does not want to talk to you, and that's pretty much it, she says. But I'm kind of looking after her. I'm taking her to the store. I'm taking her to Walmart. Uh... I'm doing a few things around here, trying to keep up the place a little bit. Of course, my mom didn't need no help. Fred told me his mother was capable of taking care of herself. She didn't really need a caretaker, and she certainly didn't like being patronized or being treated like she was helpless. But it was nice to know that she had some company. Yaya told Fred she was in her early 40s and lived in the trailer across the street from Goldie at Twin Oaks. She seemed to know a lot about Goldie's life, where Goldie liked to shop, her favorite pastimes, where she got her hair done, and what doctor's appointments she had on which days of the week. And Fred thought, well, great. But this woman was had become friend with her, and I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm a thousand miles away. Uh, I, she won't talk to me, so what better? She got this friend looking after her, taking her to the store, and she called me. We had many, many, many conversations, uh, hours sometimes, about mom and what she was doing and this, that, and the other. Goldie and her granddaughter, Stacia, had still been in regular communication. Stacia knew that her dad, Fred, and Goldie were in the middle of a tiff, but that didn't concern her. Stacia and Goldie talked on the phone every week, multiple times a week. Until July of 2010, when Goldie stopped calling. It just went silent. She stopped communicating. I, I, she wouldn't pick up the phone. She would never call me. Every time I'd call her, it would just ring and ring and ring. Subscribe to Cast Plus to listen ad-free with bonus episodes at castmedia.com slash castplus.
You can follow, rate, and review The Opportunist on Apple Podcasts. It really does make a difference. So thank you. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, only prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When Stacia couldn't get a hold of Goldie for days on end, she grew concerned. She called her dad, Fred. To her surprise, Fred told her not to worry because he'd been speaking with Goldie's neighbor, a woman named Yaya. Um, she's um, personable. She's kind. She cares about mom. Um, she knows a lot about her, which kind of put him at ease. She didn't feel like a stranger. She didn't sound like a stranger. She knew things, especially like with her health. She didn't have really any crazy health conditions that we had to be concerned about. But, you know, she was older, so it was just kind of nice to hear that I'm taking her to the doctor and she had a good checkup and I'm going to get her blood work done. And, oh, by the way, I'm a nurse. And he felt comfortable with her, extremely comfortable with her, had conversations with her on and off for months. Fred spoke with Yaya on the phone multiple times per week. He liked that she was a nurse and that she could keep him updated on what Goldie was up to. He grew to trust her more and more. But even with her dad's reassurance, taking Yaya's word for it didn't sit right with Stacia. She started to think that something was really wrong. It was so unusual for Goldie to stop speaking with her just out of the blue like that. But the only person communicating with Yaya was her dad, Fred. Finally, Stacia said she wanted to speak with Yaya herself. He said, yeah, yeah, she said, um, she said that you can give her a call, um, but she's getting ready to go out of town. So, you know, it's going to be a couple weeks, but I'll let you know. Yaya was oddly difficult to reach. Every time they were supposed to talk, Yaya had something come up that got in the way. She was out of town or had an unexpected appointment or had to reschedule. Instead, Stacia continued to get updates from her father, Fred, who got updates from Yaya. She took mom to the movies or she took mom shopping and you know how she loves to go to Sam's Club and look at, you know, go down the... Like she just knew specific goldy things. But then in August of 2010, even Fred stopped hearing from Yaya. I called Yaya, nobody answered. Went to her voicemail. Uh Uh-huh, okay. The next day I called her, went to her voicemail. Hmm. Okay, this went on for about a week. I hadn't talked to Yaya. She hadn't called me either. I thought, uh, what, what the heck is going on down there? So uh, I remember hey, we were talking, and you know, he said, I can't get over with nobody. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Um, so again, it was kind of like, well, we'll just wait and see. She's a nurse. Maybe she's got something going on. Um, At that point, there were very few people in the park that we could pick up the phone and call. We didn't have their phone number. Um, They had had moved away. Um, 
So that's when he called John, uh, his friend that, that lives down there in South Daytona, and asked him to go over and check on her and see what was going on. John Kyler worked with Fred for years in Baltimore and eventually found himself living in Holly Hill, Florida, about 10 minutes from South Daytona. Here's John. Fred had called me and asked me to go check on his mother. John told Fred he was planning on getting ice cream that evening, so he would just stop by Goldie's trailer and see if she wanted to join. When I spoke with John, he was sitting in his living room with his wife, Lisa. They are both friends with Fred, and they both went to check on Goldie that day. So we all rode over there to take her out, and that's when I noticed that things weren't right over her home. She was a very neat woman. She kept everything a certain way. And when we went over there, uh, everything was a disarray. Her porch was locked, and which was never locked, and everything. Her porch was locked. Well, that's why we seen clothes all over the porch, which was something Goldie didn't do. And did it seem like they were her clothes or someone else's clothes? Someone else's clothes, uh, uh, truck boxes, you know, parts and stuff. And like I said, she didn't have a truck. What were you thinking might be going on? I was thinking something wasn't right. It was something wrong, very wrong. And that's why I told my said, I said, we need to uh, call Fred and let him know. We stayed there and then he had us call the police. Uh, he called me back. He said, Fred, something's wrong. Something is bad wrong. I said, what do you mean? He says, your mom's flower gardens are overgrown. There's weeds everywhere. Goldie's car was not in the driveway. Her flower garden looked like it had been neglected for months, and there were random items strewn across the yard and porch. John Kyler tried the door. And he said, I can't get into the house. He called the police. And the police come and they and the police told John, this is this is hearsay, not firsthand information, John. The policeman said that there was really nothing to worry about because in Florida, if somebody has died in the trailer, uh, the windows are covered with flies. Okay? So that kind of helped me out a little bit. Fred was relieved that his mother was not lying dead in her trailer, but it did not explain the highly unusual state of her home. Whose clothes were on the porch? Why wasn't Yaya returning his calls? And most pressing, where was his mother Goldie? Fred hung up the phone, packed a suitcase, and drove his truck the 13 hours from Baltimore to South Daytona. And he said, I'm packing my stuff and I'm going to Daytona. So I said, okay. So he drove through the night. Um, again, luckily I was in Alaska. So I stayed up with him on the phone the entire ride. Um, almost kind of just sitting there reeling about like what is happening. Is this true? It's just, it's just all kind of come flashing in front of you. Like something's not right. And I left here about five o'clock. Five o'clock Sunday evening, and I was down there about six o'clock Monday morning, and that's, uh, for lack of a better word, again, uh, that's when all hell broke loose. 
As soon as Fred arrived in South Daytona, he tried to get into his mother's trailer. He had his own set of keys. See, Fred's name was also on the deed for the trailer, since he actually co-owned the house with his mother. But when he tried to turn the key and the lock on her front door, nothing happened. At some point, the locks had been changed. This was another frustrating and perplexing roadblock. Fred called the police, and because he was co-owner, they helped him break into the home. But as he stepped into Goldie's trailer, another unsettling feeling washed over him. Everything that my mother owned was gone. Absolutely everything. She had a, a, a wall of shelves uh, where she kept her TV. The TV was gone, and her Fabergé eggs, everything that she had collected over the years, was gone. Goldie was a big collector. She had all kinds of baubles and trinkets, some of which were worth money. She was really into Fabergé eggs. And typically, she had all of her collectibles neatly displayed in her living room. Now, they were gone. I went back to her bedroom, and there was nothing in the bedroom except toys. And her her closet was full of stuffed animals. And I just, uh, uh, you could have punched me in the gut and it wouldn't have hurt any worse. Something, it's, it's bad wrong. It's bad, bad wrong. Fred filed a missing persons report with the Daytona Police Department on August 22nd, 2010. If there was any hope that this was all some big misunderstanding, that Goldie would show up any moment and laugh at what a big deal was being made over nothing. That hope was shrinking by the moment. The state of Goldie's trailer alone, all of her missing possessions, the trash and disarray, the overgrown flower beds, sent Fred into a panic. He called his daughter Stacia. And I actually was on my way to work and he called me and he was screaming at the top of his lungs. We can't find her. They can't find her. They can't find her. Um, And then I was probably on a plane four or five hours later heading to Daytona. Stacia arrived in South Daytona and stayed with Fred, providing any information she could to the police. The tricky part about this missing persons case was that both Fred and Stacia were not 100% sure when Goldie went missing. For over a month, all communication had gone through Yaya, who was also nowhere to be found. My poor dad is standing in the street like, where's my mother and where's Yaya? Everybody was looking at him like, there's no Yaya. There's no Yaya. Most of the neighbors knew who Goldie was. She'd lived at Twin Oaks Mobile Home Park for almost 37 years at that point. They also knew that a woman lived across the street from Goldie, and they often saw the two of them together. But none of the neighbors had seen either of them lately. And then I want to say the police went over and maybe found out, I guess, okay, Yaya's name is Kim and she's in jail. We didn't know her as Kim. We knew her as Yaya. Yaya was a fake name. The person Fred had been speaking with on the phone multiple times a week for over a month was actually a woman named Kimberly Smith, or Kim. She did live in the trailer across the street from his mother, Goldie, and when the police went to knock on her door, her boyfriend answered. 
He was a tall, broad-shouldered, lumbering man in his early 30s named David Enos. He told the police that Kim was not home and she wasn't going to be back for a while because she was in jail. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Kimberly Smith previously served a prison sentence for fraud and identity theft, and she was in violation of her parole. On August 10th, she was arrested by the Volusia County Sheriff's Office for an outstanding warrant in Orange County, Florida. The reason that Fred could not get a hold of Kim for the past two weeks was because she'd been in jail. Fred and Stacia were faced with the reality that Goldie was missing, and the one person who might know where she is had lied about her name and had a criminal past. That was certainly not encouraging. While the police conducted their investigation, Fred and Stacia had to do something, anything they could, to help. So they spent hours driving around South Daytona looking for Goldie. Where's mom? Where's my mother at? Okay, she didn't talk to me for a month or two, but where is she at? I'm looking for Detective Sergeant McCracken works for the South Daytona Police Department. While he did not work on this particular case, he remembers it well, and he had the police report in front of him during our interview. She was actually already missing before she was reported. Um, so in, in the circumstance, uh, the family was a little strained and estranged at the time. So that's interesting because I imagine when someone's reported missing... The first question from the law, enfor- law enforcement side would be, when did they go missing? Right, right. And, and we base everything <clears throat> off of the last time that we can actually confirm that they were seen. It works the same in missing persons or thefts. Pretty much any crime is based off the last time we knew something for sure was there or someone for sure was there. And that's hard to do when their own family doesn't know exactly when they went you know, missing. So he contacted police and said that uh, he hadn't spoken to his mother in approximately two months. I mean, that's quite a gap for us to work with. So officers responded out. They actually canvassed the area because of her age. You know, there's always the possibility of dementia or wandering and so many different things that could have happened. 
Detectives spoke with the pastor of South Daytona Baptist Church, which Goldie attended regularly. He estimated that he hadn't seen Goldie for two or three weeks. But one of Goldie's friends from that church said it'd been at least eight weeks since she'd seen Goldie. And when officers started knocking on the doors of people living at Twin Oaks, Goldie's neighbors, they heard estimates that she'd been gone for maybe one or two months. But shockingly, none of her neighbors seemed that concerned about it. They said, Goldie wasn't missing. She was on vacation. She'd recently gotten married to a man named Rusty, and they were on their honeymoon together. There was even a wedding announcement sent out. It had two photos on it. One of the photos is of Goldie, smiling with her permed hair and glasses. And then there is a second photo, which is quite blurry, of a man. And it says in handwriting, just married July 19th, 2010. It turns out this wasn't new news to Fred or Stacia. Just like the neighbors, Fred had also received this wedding announcement via text from Yaya or Kim Smith. Stacia remembers her dad telling her that Goldie had gotten married the month before. So she had sent a picture and he said, you're never going to believe this. And I said, what's that? And he said, Yaya told me that mom got married. And just because of who she was and I just, you know, we were like, there's no way. There's just no way. She's not, she's not, it's just, that wasn't her. It's a little hard to explain this away, but Fred and Stacia both told me they didn't truly believe that Goldie had gotten married, but they hadn't known what to believe. They thought the whole thing was weird, but they weren't that concerned about it. That is, until Goldie went missing and they arrived in Florida, and then the police started questioning Goldie's neighbors, and it turns out no one had reported her missing because everyone believed the same story, that Goldie was on her honeymoon. Goldie wasn't around. She was off on her honeymoon in the Caribbean. I'm thinking, there's no way that mom got married. Where is my mother at? Where is my mother? And everybody said, well, she's married in in the Bahamas. I said, well, I don't believe it, but that's great. If she's alive and well and drinking margaritas in, in the Bahamas, I'm happy. I'm tickled to death. But until I get confirmation, mm mm-mm. Fred gave the detectives a copy of the wedding announcement. He wondered if it might be a clue to finding his mother. Who was Rusty? And was he really married to Goldie? Both Fred and Stacia told me they felt that there was something much more sinister going on. Goldie hadn't just wandered off, and they were pretty sure she wasn't married. But they would have to convince the police that that was the case. After all, it's not a crime to elope to the Bahamas. Which was part of the problem in the beginning because the police kept telling us, well, it's not against the law for people to get married and run off to their honeymoon. That was like one of their their things that they would say to us before all hell broke loose. When Nicole Luca got a tip that there was a missing persons report in South Daytona... She didn't think too much of it. As she told me, it wasn't too uncommon for an elderly person to wander off in South Daytona. But when she arrived to the Twin Oaks trailer park, she realized there might be more to this story. She remembers seeing Goldie's trailer in disarray and speaking with Fred. 
there were toys, like kids' toys outside, and I do remember seeing them and thinking, like, who who would who would have had the toys? And he he was just mind blown. Like, it's like she's gone. It's like she doesn't live here anymore. And it, none of it made sense. And that's because what we later found out, Adam Smith was the one living in her home, and he had kids with his girlfriend, or and so that's why there were there were actually kids living in the home. According to the South Daytona police summary of the case, it was quickly determined that there were people living in Goldie's trailer. In fact, it was a young family, which explains the children's toys. Adam Smith, his wife Crystal, and their two small children. Adam Smith is Kim Smith's son. This looked very suspicious. Why would he be living in Goldie's trailer? When the police called Adam to question him, he said he'd purchased the home from Goldie before she left on her honeymoon. And according to Adam Smith, you know, he says that Goldie gave him that house when she went off to marry this multimillionaire um, somewhere in Tennessee. They were on their extended honeymoon. And so he gave her the house, according to Adam Smith. According to the police summary, Adam first stated that he bought the house but he never said how much he paid for it. When pressed about it, he later stated that Goldie gave him the trailer as a gift. When the police asked Adam where Goldie was, he repeated the same story about Goldie going on a honeymoon with her new husband, a man named Rusty. Only this time, they were in Tennessee somewhere. On August 22nd, Detective Rainey Hetznicker knocked on Kim Smith's trailer. Her boyfriend, David Enos, answered the door and agreed to let Detective Hetznecker come inside and take a look around. Fred Roberts waited outside. But when Detective Hetznecker stepped back outside, Fred told me he looked like he'd seen a ghost. He said, Fred, he said, the man that your mother was supposed to marry, off on an extended honeymoon, a multimillionaire, He's in there sitting on the couch. That was a holy shit moment. What in the world is going on now? Kim Smith's boyfriend, David Enos, was not alone in that trailer. In fact, there were two other people in there who, according to police reports, lived in the trailer with Kim and David. They were both elderly people who Kim claimed to be caring for. And one of them was named Russell Rybeck except he looked exactly like Rusty, the man pictured with Goldie, the man who was supposed to be honeymooning with Goldie at that very time. The one cop came out and um, I want to say, he said, let me see that picture again. And my dad showed it to him. and He was like, Rusty's not on his honeymoon. Rusty's in that house right there sitting on the couch. Nicole Luca also remembers this moment. They found out Rusty, the guy who Goldie allegedly was her, you know, her new husband, the multimillionaire, this Rusty guy, he was also under the care of Kimberly Smith. Russell Ryback was not a millionaire, and he certainly wasn't married to Goldie Robinson. He told detectives that Kim Smith had taken his photograph, but he wasn't sure why. Suddenly, the search for Goldie Robinson looked much more ominous. 
When the detectives searched the trailer, they found multiple documents with Goldie Robinson's name on them, including a receipt for the purchase of a new mattress with Goldie's credit card. On August 23rd, Detective Doug Cordier of the South Daytona Police Department contacted the state attorney's office homicide unit and requested investigative assistance. This had turned from a missing persons case to a potential homicide. Where was Goldie Robinson? And did Kim Smith have something to do with her disappearance? The Opportunist is a cast original podcast. It's produced by me, Hannah Smith, along with Natalie Gregory and Sarah Dalgleish. Colin Thompson is our executive producer, editor, and music editor. The show is mixed and mastered by Matt Sewell. Our theme song is Waltz for Zechariah from the album Cholate. Do you have a suggestion for the show and opportunist that you want to hear us cover? You can email us at theopportunist at castmedia.com. That's cast with a K. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.